Hello friends and welcome to your midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. Here we go again, Ipswich Town are out of the EFL, EFL Trophy in grimly predictable and familiar style. They squandered a two-goal lead against the children from Arsenal last night and went out on penalties. Clearly, we're going to have to break that down in short order. With me today, the two highest of Kings, the Dr Stuart Watson and Hutchie Hutch Hogan, Andy Warren, Stewie. Before we get into the the Arsenal game, you tweeted last night there will be no Wembley this season. Already writing off the playoff final, is that your stance? Uh, I'll be honest, I hadn't considered that at the time. I was kind of referencing this this competition specifically, so um, apologies there. <laughs> I guess technically it can still happen in the league, although I think everybody's uh, mm. not feeling that optimistic about that scenario at this moment in time but no that was just a reference to this competition it was this is a that was a real opportunity to go all the way in this competition and squandered is the word and um feeling pretty pretty downbeat after last night i have to admit Mm. and that's not just because you got into bed about 3am when you sat up writing your stew says bit which is online now very interesting as ever um andy warren your partner in crime this this show is going to be probably fairly negative a bit depressing, maybe, but I want to start with some positivity, some joy and some fun, because last night, after months of bemoaning and complaining about the lack, quite rightly, I might say, about the lack of pizza at Papa John's EFL Trophy Games, you were greeted, my friend. I'm not sure if you were greeted or, or indeed the logistics of how it arrived or how it got there, but you had a pizza at this game, courtesy of friend of the show, number one, number one with a bullet, number one with a pizza in this case, DJ Daryl Jones, all the way from Florida. The man is simply unbelievable. Tell us all about it. Unbelievable scenes. Um, Papa John's are rubbish at making a spectacle of the trophy that they've that they've sponsored. Um, but what, I haven't necessarily been bemoaning my own personal lack of pizza, but just the lack of pizza anywhere to be seen at these games? Could they have a little truck outside games selling pizzas? Could they do competitions at half time for some fans to win pizzas in the, in the stands? But no, absolutely nothing. I haven't seen a pizza in the two years that, that this happened until last night. Um, Stuart was behaving very straight, <laughs> very strangely in the lead up to kickoff. Um, asked but- me if, asked me if I'd had, he said, "Have you had? Have you had dinner?" And he's like, "No, no, no, I haven't had dinner. I'll be relying on a pie on a plate like usual." And he's like, "No, you, no, you won't, because there's new, there's new food at the football ground. This is his, this is his funny, funny blag to disguise yeah. what was about to happen. There's new food, so uh, that was exciting. Um, there was going to be new food, but, but, but there wasn't any new food. So I had to put a pie on a plate. At which point, as I." move my fork towards the pastry um, security a member of the security hospitality slash security team just comes into the pressure andy there's a pizza for you in in reception um <laughs> which which is unusual because I, I don't work at the football club it's a bit yeah. getting things delivered to the reception of places that you don't work is um is a bit a bit forward. Um, yeah. So I, assume I, I was part of the time. ruse. I should explain that Daryl Daryl had given me tipped me the wink about an hour in advance that uh, this was happening. Um. So thank you very much, Daryl. That, that still blows my mind that a man in Florida ordered a Papa John's pizza to the Portman Road press box. And, and let's get we consumed. Thank let's you. Let's get into let's get into details. Clearly, the, the topping is the key question. What was it? How big was it? How quickly did you eat it? I I, I can't tell you where it sits in the Papa John's rank. I've, I think this might be the first time I've ever had a Papa John's pizza, or maybe the second. But I can't tell you where it sits in their sizing order. But it was quite big. It had mm-hmm. pepperoni, pepperoni on it, and it was it was really quite tasty. Fantastic, and also, I mean. The logistics of it, as you say, a man in Florida sitting ordering a pizza for a man attending a football game in Suffolk. Because um, <laughs> generally speaking, if you try and take any food into the ground, it, it gets confiscated, doesn't it? So they've clearly they've clearly bent the rules here for you, um, Hutchie. Um, they know, they yeah. know who you are. I think there was a there was a brief attempt, I think, from 
a, a steward who, who questioned whether that should be <laughs> go, going up the stairs, but just kept just kept walking. No one was going to take our pizza away. Stuart and I had shared it out, had some each. Brenna Woolley had a little bit. Um, it was very well received in in the press box. It's probably still up there in that press box bin that doesn't get emptied all that often. So that box is uh, stuffed in a bin up there. That, that is superb. Thank you very much. That box, that Papa John's trophy box is stuffed in the bin just like Ipswich's chances <laughs> in the in said named competition. There's your segue, Mark. There's the perfect segue. I was going to talk about how you eat your pizza, uh, but let's go straight to the game. Hands <sighs> and mouth. Well, yeah, but do you fold it? I'm hoping there's no knife no. and forks involved. Generally, obviously, there wasn't last night. Do you fold it? Do you use the no. folding method? No, no, no. Just... No, no, no. Not just... two-handed. That's mental. Just, <laughs> just, just, just I don't it. like the full kind of, I know what you're saying, the vertical kind of fold in, in half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's too far to me. That that's basically creating a calzone. I don't. I don't want that. It's just. I don't know what sort of degree of bend. Just enough to just so that it doesn't go sort of too limp floppy at, in your hand. Limp, limp at the end. Um, yeah. <laughs> but not not the full fold. Excellent. And if, if any of the KOA army do eat their pizza with knife and fork, please unfollow the show and never listen to us again. Um, boys, Ipswich Town, as you say, Stu, stuffed in the bin. Their chances of going to Wembley, at least in the EFL Trophy. This season, um, where should we start with this, boys? Because there's a lot to unpack, as they say. Uh, town in a in a grimly familiar story took a two goal lead. Peek behind the curtain, time boys. At about nine pm last night, I was sitting pretty. The back of the star had already been written. I picked out the pictures. The spread was fully pictured up. All I was waiting for was the formality of the game being finished. Two 0 town into the next round of the EFL Trophy. I was already starting to write something about when the third round draw was for Webb. And then I refreshed my Twitter and I loudly exclaimed a profanity to see that town were now two all. And from there, it was grimly predictable as to what would happen. So, Stewie, do you want to kick us off? Because this was depressing indeed. Um, it's the third time this season that they've let a two goal lead slip. Wimbledon at home, Cambridge away and, and now this. That's not very good, is it? Um, top teams, successful teams don't let two goal leads slip. And they've done it plenty of times from from winning positions now. I think it's 10 times all told um, that that leads have been slipped, let let go to either to lose or, or draw games. Um, the most frustrating thing is they do the job, they do the hard part, they get the job done. They started quite quite poorly. There was a lot of loose passes. You're thinking, oh, is it going to be one of these nights where they make 11 changes? It's a, it's a load of players that are a bit rusty and haven't played together and it could be a bit disjointed and Arsenal got some good young players, clearly. But they got they grew and grew into it. They got the two goals, the second of which was particularly well worked. And that really should have been it there. Balogun missed an absolute sitter around an hour. And you're thinking, that's it. 2-0, shut it down. And they, they just don't. They uh, Somehow they managed to shoot themselves in the foot, self-harm from absolutely nowhere. They, they score really good goals, but they concede really crap ones. And, and the, the both of those last night go, go down as that. Came Vincent Young inexplicably, having watched it back, just heads into his own net from a corner. Set pieces are a real issue for me at the moment. They're just continually not defending them particularly well. And then Halakis should never, ever be beaten from that sort of angle at his near post for the, for the second. So, mm. um, and there's just adds to this sense of, you know, here we go again, the fal false dawns of being an Ipswich Town fan, just when you kind of muster up this optimism and belief and, and enthusiasm for the weeks ahead, they just kind of, Pull the rug out from under under your feet, don't they? So, mm. Hutchie, uh, Shui says it was eleven new players, as it were, a, a completely changed squad. But when I saw the squad before kickoff, I thought, yeah, I like that, I like the look of that. Um, what did you make of it, and what did you you make of the uh, the game as a whole? Uh, so eleven players that can't get in the league team. Um, yep. So 
I think we we knew to to maybe fear that there'd be a bit of bit of rust ring rust and players looking to get up to speed, but they're they're all players that are form a team that should be capable of beating Arsenal's young players, just like the the Ipswich senior type side that lost to them last season um, was. So yeah, there's 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 some players in there I was looking forward to seeing. I was glad Tom Carroll was back. I was looking forward to seeing him and Idris. That looked. That looked decent. Obviously, we all, we all want to see Piggott get himself going, so we knew we knew he would play. It's, it was the side largely largely the side we were expecting, wasn't it? And it and it was a team that 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 did get the job done against Arsenal and and managed to managed to throw it away. Hmm. Shall we talk about some of the players who, who did impress you? Because there was one in particular last night, obviously making his his return from the cold, the frigid cold of the Ipswich Town fringes, Caden Jackson come in and scored two goals, which was tremendous stuff. Um, he clearly was the standout name from last night. Anyone else impressed you, Stewie, in terms of putting a hand up for the uh, the Cup this weekend and the league team even going forward? Yeah, uh, first of all, on Caden, I thought I thought he did well. Well, clearly, he scored scored two goals. The first one takes a bit of de- deflection, but he's you know he was first on a on a loose ball and. Took, took it on and took the shot and too often Ipswich players are guilty of maybe not not taking a shot when it's on so fair play to him for that and then the second one's a really good striker's goal even though he's playing on the right good bit of movement um, and a nice finish on, on the stretch so Cook kind of called him the, the the shining light of the night or something I can't remember the, the phrase but I wouldn't necessarily say he was the I don't know if that's going to be enough to get him in the in the league fold, if I'm honest, with Sonny Aluko. Obviously, while Burns is out, maybe he's got himself on the bench. Maybe he's thought that maybe he's pushed himself into kind of super sub territory. I don't know. In terms of others, I thought um, Tom Tom Carroll I like. I thought before he got injured, um, you could see that he's you can see his background. You can see he's been a Premier League player. You can see he's got classy moments. He can pick a pass and lo- lovely little disguise pass to Andy, Andy, wasn't it? In the, in the build up to the, the second goal. Um, considering that was his first appearance since the end of September, I thought he did well. Idris thought he was the player who looked like he had the most desire on that football pitch. He was the one that was really sort of tigerish. I thought he pressed high. He got stuck in a little bit. So there were some decent performances in there and um but as a team it just didn't come together Hutchie when um <clears throat> when Shui there said he's, he's not sure that Kane's done enough to be considered for the league team um, for those not watching on video I'm not sure if he's going to go out on video because Roscoe is still very much ill in the in the realms of the unwell um you kind of rolled your eyes and shook your head kind of saying no um where do you stand on, on no Kane, then? Uh, no <clears throat> I, what I think he might have done is possibly he might twist Paul Cook's arm to start him in the FA Cup when he might not have done, mm-hmm. potentially. But uh, look, I, I think he's got a significant way to go to get to get into the league team. Like like Stu said, the bench might be an option for him. He, he's not been making benches, so I don't I don't think I don't think uh, I thought he played I thought he played quite well actually uh, away from the goals. I, I I think he's getting better at the running patterns that you need from a right sider. Um, I'm not sure the crossing is there for him, but I think he's getting better at maybe in terms of the runs, the runs that he makes, being able to hold his runs a bit more. Um, he had some good moments with Vincent Young that I, I quite liked. They linked up, but I, I, I think just by seeing how sporadically he's even making benches in the league, I think it's I think it's a long way long way to go for him for a league start. But you never know. He might he might have just kind of. A, he might kind of just um, grabbed an FA Cup start, which is the <clears> next <throat> the next step. Do it again there, and maybe you, you do make your point. But I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, Stu's mentioned the players that that had had decent nights, but as much as I think Idris and and Tom Carroll have served reminders of what they did, I don't think there was any anybody on the pitch that's going to be twisting Paul Cook's arm to start them in the league on the back of that. If I'm honest, I think Carroll needs to do just play more. Who's mm. right? You can see his quality. That disguised pass for for Penny to cross for the second goal was brilliant. You can, as again, as Stu said, you can see his class, but he needs to prove his fitness before you before you chuck him in from a start. I mean, hopefully, he'll start in the cup again at the weekend. And I think Idris 
given that Scott Fraser dropped in at the to the midfield at the, the weekend and then obviously Evans and Morsey Cook mm-hmm. likes and trusts and, and goes well. I think Idris has got a job to do as well. But it, Idris is one I really like. I think he's probably surprised Paul Cook with what he's done this year. And um again Hopefully, I'm sure his performance will put him closer to being a regular on the bench because he he's not a regular on the league bench either at the moment. So, um, yeah, long story short, don't think anyone's made the complete jump, but some might have made a transitional I, transitional I would make move. A potential argument for Matt Penny. Uh, he wasn't perfect by any stretch. He had a really really poor start where he gave the ball away cheaply a few times. He's a bit hot and cold, Matt Penny. When he's good, he's very good, and when he's when he's bad, he's he's awful. But um, Bailey Clements has been he's been fine he's been no no better no worse and, and but Ipswich need better than fine I think he Bailey Clements does what it says on the tin you know he's going to put in a certain certain mileage on the pitch he'll get up and down he's fit he, he's all of that but Matt Penny looks like someone who can supply with the assist he can he can have a moment like that and um Maybe he he did enough last night to you know even at the end he was still going on strong he was the one trying to sort of burst to the byline with a one two in stoppage time at the death he might have done enough to to get himself in in this league team but that 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 all adds up to left back being a little bit of a pro- problem yeah. area doesn't it is it that that's kind of yeah this is as much to do with where where the door is ajar in the league team as as to rather than us saying someone had a eight nine out of ten mm. performance and made themselves you know, impossible to leave out. Okay. Um, in that case, then, is there anyone who really didn't do themselves any favours last night who, who kind of pushed themselves further away from consideration? Clearly, I mean, there's one guy who wasn't even on the bench who you, you may have expected to see in this game. is Louis Barry. Um, can we deduce that he is... Oh, he's, he's done, isn't he? Uh, he's, yeah. You're not getting in the squad for for that game last night. He's, he's going back to Aston Villa and he'll, he'll be going elsewhere. There's not, not a huge amount more to say on, on him. Um, Rakeem Harper leaves me underwhelmed every time I've, mm. I've seen him play, unfortunately. For somebody who d- described himself as a beast in, in pre-season, I'm yet to see evidence of that. For a big, strong boy, I was told he was, you know, someone who could, you know, power out of out of dangerous scenarios and, and drag the team up the pitch and, and all that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm not seeing it for him. He has moments of quality, no doubt about it. He had a really lovely left-footed volley that the goalkeeper clawed out the top corner last night. But in terms of his general, the way he sort of affects the game over ninety minutes, I'm not seeing it. I don't think we. I don't think we know what he is. I don't know if he knows what he is, and I don't know if Paul Cook knows what he is. Because um, he's he was obviously a nailed-on starter as one of the defensive holders in in August wasn't yeah. he in the first half of September and now now we're scratching our heads over over what what he is that that isn't a great position to be in not not knowing what your role is in in a Paul Cook team where it's about knowing your role and and doing doing your job it's a bit kind of new england's patriotcy mm-hmm. um in 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 a Paul Cook system that everyone has their function and you do your job and i'm not sure they know what Rakeem's is Mm. Um, others I would Cameron Burgess he, he's again he he can head it away there was a nice little sort of long-legged block in, in the box at one stage but he just he worries me at times if you get him on the turn he he looks awkward doesn't he you know if, if somebody gets sort of in behind him on the turn he's always got one of these like rugby-esque sort of desperate tackles on someone because he knows pace-wise he's not going to be able to keep up with them. Um, still yet to be convinced by him, if, I, if I'm honest. Okay. Um, shall we move on to talk about Cook after the game? Before we get to that, actually, is there anything that Cook could have done for you during the game? Because clearly there's a, there's a lot of focus after the game as to... Um, kind of, He's been criticised quite a lot, hasn't he, for substitutions and not being tactically flexible this season um was there anything that for you he could have done during the game that started to get away from town you say to you they, they should have closed the game down is there anything for you Hutchie that, that could, could have done to to divert what was happening on the pitch 
Um, the substitutions were relatively late, weren't they? They were, they were after 70 minutes, a load of senior, more, well, senior first team league players coming coming off the bench. But no, possibly, but the, the team that was on the pitch was good enough to, to do the job that Stu said there to close. They, they had won the game. They they were, they put themselves two, two goals up against an Arsenal under 21 team. Um, they had they had done what they needed to do. They were two 0 up, and it... it's not necessarily about changes for me. When people talk about the timing of substitutions, it's not like a case of oh, we should have brought on an extra defender or we should have changed the formation. It's a mind, it's a it's a mindset of the players. It's something a mode that you kind of switch to, where you just it's not necessarily about changing, but just a, an element of focus. Just get keeping your shape, being disciplined, just. Keeping the ball, yeah. you know, not 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 necessarily taking as many risks, just mm. slowing the game down, just making it your game. And I don't know, they don't they don't seem to be able yeah. to kind of fall into that mindset. Well, I think last night they the problem they gave the problem they gave themselves is they gave Arsenal kind of the room the room to play. They stood off them, and and that goes to what you've just said, Stuart. If you're two 0 up. You still need to be on it. Like you, you have done enough to win the game, but there, you, you, you still have to win the game, and you, you can't. Particularly with these young sides who, who love to have the ball, um, and they love to have room to use the ball, and they love to to shift it around quite quickly. And they, they had, a, they gave them the opportunity to do that. There was some counter attack. They were stretching the defense, pulling it around all over the place. The midfield. Um, I, I could maybe, maybe Car- I think Carroll maybe tired a little bit. I don't know if he could have. If that understandably after so long out, you could potentially have made a made a change there, just so there's that bit more energy in the mid the midfield. But really, but by the time that that became apparent, the goal the goals had gone in, and and it, it once once the the Arsenal goals had, had gone in, Ipswich went about their task again. After that, they Joe Piggott had his most lively ten minutes of the game with the final ten minutes. He had a was it a header over the over. Um, he had a shot from outside the box that was well saved by the goalkeeper, and then he had the ball in the net in the the final couple of minutes. But the flag, the flag was up for offside, so they they got back on it again once the damage had been done. Um, mm. But they they allowed that allowed that damage to be done, and then ultimately you're in a you're in a penalty lottery at that point. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're a, a young team or an experienced team at that point. Um, anyone that was on that pitch is is capable of winning and scoring in a penalty shootout. So. <clears throat> I thought Selena's penalty kind of summed up a shorthand for Ipswich's inconsistencies at the minute. Like a, a what three days on from scoring one of the the best goals we've ever seen at, at Portman Road, he produces that penalty. Just just fluffed it. I don't know if he changed his mind in the run up. You, you, when he steps up, you're thinking, is he going to do a Penenka? Is he going to do something? And I don't know if he almost had something like that in his mind, or he changed his mind in the run up. But it was just powder puff effort down the middle really wasn't it one of those ones where the goalkeeper didn't didn't really have to to move and um it's kind of where Ipswich are at at the moment is you know someone like Carl Edwards can do all sorts of brilliant stuff I thought you know but hasn't got the end product still that was the same story again for him last night there's there's lots of good but but just not quite the Mm. finishing part there's something just missing isn't there I hate those penalties. I really do. Like, yes, he, he scored one against Colchester and they look great. But Bursant Salina is also capable of beating a goalkeeper properly from from twelve yards, and you don't risk making yourself look a fool like that. Just put the ball in the net, find the corner. You, they're all capable of doing. Particularly Bursant Salina is capable of doing something. Like that. Don't try and be too clever. I, I just, I don't like it. I, I had a gut feeling he was going to miss that that penalty and um yeah he did just don't do it Hughes a Hutchism just get it done whack it into the net um right boys obviously we're gonna have to talk about Paul Cook for a bit in short order but um before we do is it it's it's slightly uncomfortable with me that the manager is frequently the focus of ire after after losses wherever they are do the I mean we have spoken about this before but the players get away a little bit scot-free don't they I mean, you can't let you could never legislate last night. For... <clears throat> Paul, Cook, Paul Cook was asked that in his post match interview about, um, must you know, with the, the nature of the goals being individual errors, must yeah. he 
must must leave you so frustrated as a manager because there's nothing you can do about that on the touchline. And he started. He, he said after the one of the goals went in, someone in the crowd immediately shouted something at him, and he turned around and said, "How about shouting at the players?" And he very quickly sort of doubled back and said, "Look, you know, I'm, I'm saying that." semi-jovially of course I'll always the manager is always the one that takes the brunt and I'll always protect my players but he has got a point Paul Paul Cook can't legislate for Kane Vincent Young heading into his own net at a corner Paul Cook can't legislate for Vasclav Halaki letting one underneath his body at the near post can he so I do feel for him in in that respect but this isn't a one-off you know this is this is a recurring theme now as we approach the halfway stage of the season, letting leads slip, all of that sort of stuff. And we talked about sort of having that 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 mode, that game management mode that they go into. And I guess that is that is down to the management and the staff to be able to to kind of work on that during the week. And and you know, this is what we do in in certain scenarios in games. And you you wonder whether <clears throat> as much as it's great to hear Paul Cook talking about being for front foot aggressive side and uh and yes, that is entertaining more at times. Um, mm. Do they need to work a little bit more on some of the more pragmatic stuff? Do they need to work a little bit more on defending set pieces? Possibly. Mm. Cook, after the game, starting to get a little bit repetitive in terms of the things that he says. I don't know anything more than I knew at the start of the game. I haven't learned anything. Um, kind of speaks about letting the fans down, etc. But one thing in particular caught my eye when I read it last night, as you sent it across, Stewie, until we change the individuals, then the individual errors won't change. That, for me, is eye-opening um, because this is a man who's literally just changed all of the individuals in the summer. Um, so what do you, do you make of that, Hutchie? I think it's something he might have regretted saying, um, potentially at this point. Um you have to wonder who he's talking about. Um, you're right. He's obviously, he has changed all of the individuals, but there were some remnants of the past in that team last night, weren't there, with Vincent Young and Wolfenden. But Paul Cook, Paul Cook's not been scared to get rid of players that he's not happy with quite soon after signing them as well. He's, it, it's it's eye-opening that he's said it. I think he will regret it, potentially saying that. But um talks about players being too comfortable again didn't he? Mm. And um, yeah, it's uh, it'd be very interested to know who he was, who he was talking about specifically there, but it, uh, he's used so many players. How I, I don't know what the true number, but he must've used 50 players as an Ipswich town manager since March. And, and the individual mistakes are, are still, still happening and they're still frustrating him. So it, for me, I'd players like to... is a lot. I'd like to hear him talk more. I love his passion and his honesty and it's, you know, it's really refreshing. But at times I'd like to hear him sound more like a manager and less, less like a fan. The way he sort of reacts afterwards is how someone who's just gone and paid their money and comes away and just talks in a frustrated manner about what they've just seen. He describes perfectly well what we've all just seen. He doesn't try and sugarcoat it, but sometimes you want to hear sort of, what the as soon as you then start to get into okay you've described what the problem was so how how are we how's this going to change and then immediately he just goes i'm not going to analyze that now and you mm. think well you need to kind of give those listening reason to believe that this is this is going to change you you know that's <clears throat> that that for me is where some of the slight concern comes from at, at times as as refreshing as it is you want to hear what, how how is this going to change? Don't just tell us what we already can see with with our own eyes. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, he signed nineteen players in the summer, and as Andy says, who's he talking about here? Are we going to get Dem- demolition man point two at some stage? You can't keep looking for answers externally. The job of a, a manager of a coach is to improve the players that you've got to get a tune out of what you've got. Um, He's played that card once last summer in terms of ripping it up and starting all again. I'm I'm not sure that that's a card you can be playing again just a few months later. Mm, you'd have to have a lot. Of, I think you'd have to have a lot more credit in the bank to be playing that card as well as a as a manager. Um, 
I'm not sure that I'm not sure that going to the board that Mark Ashton and the board and, and saying that that's that's what you want to do again is I'm not sure he's in a position to do that um but I'm sure there will be tweaks and changes to the squad in in January I guess we have to on this specific occasion he's he's talking about his let's call him his second string um but I'm not sure he's that entirely taken by his first string either so it's uh <laughs> yeah which I see yeah, uh, and the other quote, obviously, that I think probably people would have seen as well, personnel around the club might feel they are safe sometimes, but that's not how it works at big clubs. Stewie, before we move on, is he just too rigid? We've spoken before about not having the right pieces, maybe, for what he wants to do. He doesn't have the flying fullbacks at the moment, um, which has a knock-on effect to everything else that he wants to do. Um we know we know he loves this four two three one. I don't want to get too much into formation, but is he just too rigid? Do you think at times should he should he be trying just period when he don't he doesn't have those those fullbacks that he needs for that system? Should he be trying other things? Should he be saying okay, I haven't got the the, the, the kind of ingredients for that recipe, but I maybe have ingredients for something else which might be quite tasty in the meantime? You know that kind of thing. Possibly, but I don't, I don't know. If you then said what what is that alternative at the moment, you'd probably you, you could go okay three at the back. Burgess has played in a back in a back three. Danassian could play in a back three. You've got centre back options, but then I'd then say well what are your wide options? If you were, you know who are your wing back options? I still don't know if you've got the answer there. For me, the crux of this is. If you wanted me to put my finger on the one thing that's holding them back at the minute, it's the fullback issue. Everything about full, everything about Paul Cook football is based around marauding fullbacks. We know that. We, they've got the they've got the flair players at the front end of the pitch, but they're just kind of relying on them to produce moments of magic, like Selena last weekend. But for it to be a fully functional team that's able to kind of apply sustained pressure and in games and be knocking on the door and I'm not sure the fullbacks are there at the moment. I don't know. I don't know how Ipswich, with the greatest respect, have got to such a crucial stage in the season recently, and have ended up with with Bailey Clements playing there. I'm sure Bailey Clements is a, a lovely young man. He's worked really hard, but he's 21 years old and has been kind of playing in the 23s for an, for a number of years. Realistically, if he was the long term answer for Ipswich, I think he would have emerged by now. I mean, obviously. They couldn't have legislated for Colson to have the injuries he would have done. Kane Vincent Young hasn't been able to get to his, his pre-injury levels. The hope was obviously there. I think they obviously did have a sniff around right-backs leading up to the end of that transfer window. Obviously, we've seen Danny Cowley quotes about Marlon Romeo on, on transfer deadline day. So that will be the area of the squad that I think they'll they'll look to improve both left back and right back in January if I'm honest and I, and I think that you know that that could change the the whole dynamic of things if they get those two pieces correct it's mm. the left back that worries me the most the right the right side I think works when burns is in the team I think I think burns and Danassian's a really good partnership I'm not sure as well as Aluko's played I'm not sure he helps Danassian, who we know needs a bit of help himself to be that right back. Um, but I think the, the Burns Danassian's partnership works on that side. But obviously Burns is injured, so that hasn't been able to happen. So I think when, when that's not there, that falls down a little bit. Um but left back left back's the biggest what, what, issue. I you think. talk about partnerships and Cook talked about partnership. We need we need to see partnerships develop and they always partnerships always sort of develop in front of your eyes in my teams. How, how many? How many have we seen now? Halfway stage coming, would you say is a, a really nailed on partnership? Like you uh, say, Burns and Danassian was was becoming one. Burns to Bond was becoming a bit mm-hmm. of a, a go to move for Ipswich. But beyond that, there's not a striker and a number ten that are really on the same wavelength. Yeah, Morsi I think that's Evans the problem. Yeah. That's that's the I think that that's the problem with the partnerships that doesn't exist in that area of the pitch. Mor- Morsi and Evans is kind of a pre-pack, buy one get one free like partnership bought in. I, I still think they're doing their job that Cook wants them to do, but just not in the team that's functioning the way it's supposed to. I, Toto and, and George Edmondson, I think, is becoming a bit of a partnership, um, just maybe by weight of games. But 
I think you're right. Beyond beyond that, there's there's no left sided partnership because that position has changed so many times. There's no partnerships whatsoever within that three behind Bon, um, aside from Burns, because it 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 changes so often. It's we, we've seen Chaplin. I think Chaplin and Bon is probably the closest I would say to something that's that's clicked in the ten. 10 and striker positions but that's not that's not happened on a regular enough basis it's um it is still a work in progress isn't it but you'd have expected the work to be further further down the line and a few less cones out than than there are now mm. I mean it all comes back to identity doesn't it and and that kind of thing we've talked about a lot I was looking this morning league one table December the 2nd 2020 so a year ago today town were fifth they played 15 games. They had 26 points. They'd won eight of those games. As we sit here today, December the 2nd, 2020, Town are 11th. They've played 20 games. They've got 27 points and they've won seven of those 20 games. And I keep coming back to you are, I believe in life, you are what you repeatedly do. And Town repeatedly, unfortunately, they squander leads. They lose big games and they crumble under pressure which is something that has been happening for the last few seasons. They follow up good performances with poor ones. That's a repeated theme. If you go back through the results this season, in terms of what comes after a win, okay, Lincoln, when they got that, finally got that first win, they they followed it up with the, the, the late draw against Sheffield Wednesday. So we can kind of discount that. But the six nil against Doncaster was followed up with an awful performance at, at Accrington. Um, they beat Shrewsbury at home and then squandered a two-goal lead at Cambridge. They got the last-minute winner against Fleetwood and then went and lost at, at Plymouth, albeit with a an okay performance. After the Wickham 4-1, there was the was the really flat cup game against Oldham. Um after and then after crew, you know, after crew last weekend, we, we got that last night. So it's, there's just this, this sense now with Ipswich, and this goes back quite a long way, that it's one step forward followed by two steps back and it, and it breaks your spirit after a mm. while. And that is the stage we're at, I think, with fans. And Paul Cook and, and all the hierarchy at Ipswich need to understand this isn't just about the frustrations of this season. This is, I keep saying it, this is so deep-rooted in all of us that have followed this football club over the last decade or so that it's just... As Andy has said before, there's no reference point for for optimism, is there? There's just a, like every setback feels like here we go again. This is Ipswich. It's always a false dawn. There's always a disappointment around the corner, and it's up to the club to change that narrative. Hmm. And they're not at the moment. They're, they're kind of adding to it. So I guess Cook as a manager will be frustrated to kind of think, well, you know, you've got to give me time. You know, we had a decent run recently where they were getting two points a game quite consistently, and great results at Portsmouth and Wickham, but we need to see it consistently to truly, to truly deeply believe that things are turning a corner. Um, and that, that is why everyone will be feeling sort of so twitchy at, at the moment. Um, it's just not mm-hmm. happening, is it? And when it, when is it going to happen? I'd say the reference point for optimism that does exist at the moment is Cook's track record. But that's fading. I think mm. in, in terms of reaching for a kind of an optimism, sort of an optimist, if you want to be an optimist, you, you look at Cook's previous track re- track record of, of promotions everywhere he's been and and big turnarounds and, and and how that's worked. But that that can only last for so for so long. Um, and I, I would say that's fading, if not if not faded. Um, and I think that's only fair as well. You, you've been in the job coming up for what nine months nine mm. months now you that's that's enough time to be to be judged on um on where you're at when right when you now. talk about paul cook maybe did he need to be more flexible or plan b etc you have to realize that he has won three league titles not just promotions three league titles at three different clubs playing this exact way so if you've done something like that consistently throughout your career and it's consistently brought success you're not going to go away from that, are you? You know, in any line of work. So I can understand why he's sort of keeping blind faith in, not blind faith, but keeping faith in in that basically if I stick to my principles, then ultimately it comes good. And and he will tell you at all of his clubs, he's had 
sticky starts to start with and and it and it turns and may, maybe we will see that with Ipswich but I think he does acknowledge that I mean he's used the term false dawns and disappointments and all of that I think he does understand where Ipswich fans are coming from and um the the, the worry for me now is that we're coming up to this this pack out Portman Road campaign mm. at Christmas and a big big crowd's coming and some of that feel-good factor has, has just faded at the at the time where we needed momentum to really take hold. We're losing it, aren't we? And, and it and it feels like last night in particular felt like that was a real slowdown of, of momentum. Yeah. They, that game should be and the Barrow they should be easy wins. Not yeah. not I'm not I'm not talking about on the on the pitch. I'm talking about easy wins just for just to keep the 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 levels sort of trundling along. It's not. In, in the grand scheme of of Ipswich Town, beating Arsenal under twenty ones uh, is no big deal, but it is kind of a really good opportunity to build. And we talk about it all the time, just to build some kind of cheap momentum. Um, if they're beating Arsenal's under twenty ones, beat Barrow, yes, nobody's going to suddenly be thinking they're world beaters and going to rip up the league. But you do go to Charlton, um, and with a bit of good feeling behind you um, now. Depending on what happens on Saturday, of course, you you're going to go with the, the pessimism levels may may be higher. I think we saw that in the Rotherham game, didn't we? I, I obviously cannot speak for the thousands and thousands of people that attended the game, but I know how I felt going into that game, and I'm sure plenty others did too. A, a level of pessimism because we've seen we've seen how Ipswich have been dealt with by Rotherham before. We knew where Ipswich were at that time, and, and I think the Charlton game could be the same if they're not careful. But when the, but they could have built some cheap, easy momentum and optimism going into yeah, that game, uh, and then ultimately they won three well. games in a row since Cook's taken charge. Yeah, and this was, and he, they quite clearly, they targeted this week three games at home against Crew, who are bottom, Arsenal's under twenty ones, and League Two Barrow, all at home. That was golden opportunity to to go and finally do that because Ipswich need to prove that they can string wins together. The only way that they're going to get back in this promotion mix now is by winning four, five, six, seven games in a row at some point or in certainly in little chunks along the way. And where's where's the evidence that they can do that? There is none now over a prolonged period of time. And if they couldn't do it this week, how can you find the belief that, oh, well, it, it could happen further down the line? That That's kind of where the mindset is at, at the moment. And Andy's right. I think everyone came to that Rotherham game. It felt like in the air there was a, a sense of, um, I don't know, um, Inevitability. Impending doom. Inevitability, yeah, yeah. yeah, impending doom about that atmosphere. And and I think if that's in, in the mindset of, of fans, that must be in the mindset of players as well. They're they're not infallible. They're psychologically they must kind of they've not got that sort of winning habit ingrained in them where you you go out, you walk out on the pitch and you feel like you've won before you've even kicked a ball. And Ipswich haven't been able to build that. And um mm. that that's the worry. Mm. Okay, well, this is depressing, chaps. Um, <laughs> sh- sh- shall we move on to something that is, is is good to see before we talk a little bit about Saturday and, and who, who should play in the FA Cup and how Town approached that? Some nice news this morning out of the club. Um, a legend, a familiar face, someone we're very pleased to see back at the club, John McGreal Hutchie, is back in Ipswich Town. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this and uh, how you feel about yeah. it? Yep, um yep, he's back at Ipswich Town. We know we know he's um he's been around. Um he's watched training a fair amount. We we see him, I would say he's been at the vast majority of Ipswich's home games this year. So he's he's been around. Um but he's back at the club working with the club's sort of old the higher levels of their academy, working with the 23s and across the academy, working on player development and some individual individual training as well. Clearly at clearly a good coach he's been a manager in the in the EFO had five years at Colchester the briefest of spells at Swindon which he probably won't won't be talking about particularly quickly didn't didn't manage a single game there but worked with a lot of young players at Colchester um during that time they've obviously changed course since but um young players advanced them made the playoffs with them and um yeah having someone of of that experience around can can only um only be beneficial I would say this it's the appointments just keep on coming within the sort of the background structure of the club but um this to me seems like a seems like a decent one 
Siri, any thoughts on McGrill? Just nice to see, isn't it? Having someone like that around the club. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by the, the job title. The fact he's kind of assistant to Kieran Dyer with the under-23s with a kind of an overarching player development in, in the academy role. You'd think he, he might be able to help with sort of first-team defensive duties, uh, you know, with his with his background. I talked about the set pieces not being particularly well defended. I think Paul Cook revealed recently at the Fans Forum that Francis Jeffers does defensive set pieces. Francis Jeffers was a was a top striker in his day, but um, I, I, I don't know if he, uh, how well qualified he is for doing defensive set piece work. John McGrill is obviously a was a good a very good defender in in his day, but. Um, we're going to have more backroom staff than we are players soon, aren't we? It's, uh, but um, no, it's for him to be on the doorstep. He's, he's Paul Cook's good friend. We're led to believe, I think, when when there was speculation back in the summer as to whether John might be the assistant manager when they were talking when Liam Richardson had kind of gone to Wigan and we were talking about who who Cook might have instead. John's name was mentioned quite a bit, and I was kind of led to believe that Paul almost didn't want to sour his. Or potentially sour sort of any any friendship that he had with with John. Obviously, both Liverpudlians, and or there was reservation on on both sides as to whether they should sort of turn that friendship into a, a professional capacity. But a man of his experience on your doorstep that knows the club, um, it would it would seem a shame not to use it. And and ultimately, Ipswich have decided to use it, so that can only be a good thing. Hey, good stuff. And um, before we move on, just a reminder to support our sponsor, Manscape. Use the code KOA. At manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. Lots of Christmas gift options at manscaped.com right now. And also, Hutchie, before we move on, what's your football shirt of the day that's just peeking over your right-hand shoulder there? I see... Stu knows. What looks to be... Uh... Oh, I don't know I'm, if I do I'm, know. I'm liking the, the shoulder. Green, stripes. green, yellow and red stripes. Adidas stripes on the shoulder. Any guesses oh. I've no idea. Is it is it a club shirt? Yeah. Is it a special edition club shirt? Uh, I guess so, in a way. Yeah. Is it like a sort of third third kit yeah. or something? Yeah. Yeah. Is it is it from Germany? No. Spain. No. For audio listeners, it's black. It's got a fair <laughs> amount of red on it, and as you've said, it's got <laughs> it's got and red, the, yeah, red, the, yellow, and green. Red, yellow, and green Adidas stripes on the shoulder, and we've got a sponsor that does that say Ziggo? Yeah, in red. What's yep. I don't know what Ziggo is. There's, I, don't I know. reckon that there's some significance, isn't there, to the colours on the shoulders? It's yeah, it's is that a flag of some kind? Um, it's not a it's not oh, a flag. Is it, the, is it is it the um is it the Bob Marley yes shirt? The ah, Alex there we one. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. You so pick which, that little. So, uh, so which that... which club is that then? It's Ajax, isn't it? Ajax. Yeah, Ajax. You picked that out for yourself, actually. It looks nice. It is nice. Um, has it got the three little birds <clears throat> emblem on the is it yeah. on the neck? Yeah. On the back on the back of the collar. Is this one going to be kept for your collection, Hutch, or is it going to be traded for your growing no, no, this empire? Is, this, no, this is in the uh this is in the collection. Um it may or may not also be in the collection of my three year old daughter as well. In uh <laughs> In little, uh, in little size. Oh, you you got a little version for it. Yeah, do you want to see it? Yeah. Have you got it to hand? I mean, clearly yeah. this, this, this is terrible audio, and yeah, it's not going out on video. Audio. But I want to see it. Hutchie there, just displaying his shorts. There we go. Here we go. And he's back. With shorts, hey, little shorts as well. Look there's at that. Your, there's your three little birds. Nice. That on is the back. nice. One day, yeah. Hutchie, and I've, I've already spoken to you about this, I want to do like a, a bit with you about all the shirts you've got and, and how they make you feel and your favourites. <laughs> I think I think people would be interested, uh, and that's nice. That is that is one of my favourites I've seen in the Hutch collection yeah, thus far. I'd say it's one of mine as well. Do you never wear it? No. You never? never. It's just, they're just I mean, hanging uh, there. Uh, yeah. Well, I've had that one a while, and... Uh... I think i put it on when i first got it yeah but yeah i just i just like having them this is i like seeing there's um i can't there's like an online feature i can't remember who does it but there's uh they basically get a, a former player and they get all of BT. the shirts that they played in and get yeah, them yeah. to kind of talk through their memories of different different kits 
There was a great story I saw the other day from Jody Morris, who was doing an interview with Jimmy Bullard, where Jimmy kind of interviews people while he's fishing, while they're fishing. Jody Morris talked about, do you remember that Chelsea um, grey and orange sort of yeah. uh, cool. uh, cause that they had? Cause, yeah. Jody Morris told this story about how he was suddenly, you know, his classic case of a, a youngster who'd been called up at the last minute to make his debut. But this was the days before you could readily print names and numbers kind of on, on shirts. So they they dispatched him and the kit man off to like the local the local sports shop down the high street, got his name and number printed on it, but they didn't have the uh, the correct colour. The uh, the name and numbers were orange and the, the sports shop could only do standard white. So they then had to go and buy an orange highlighter pen and, and colour in <laughs> colour in the numbers. That's um, amazing. There was a there was another one recently with um I, I cannot remember who it was. It was a former Scottish international who um made his debut for Scotland and was like absolutely delighted to have made his debut for Scotland. I think and he got his shirt framed and put up on the wall. Um, it got framed up there and he had it on his wall for like thirty forty years or something and he had to get it reframed. Um, but so got it down and found out it wasn't even his shirt on there, that he'd, he'd managed to get somebody else. I think it was Gordon Strachan's or something like that. <laughs> or, and he had the wrong shirt up on his wall for like 35 years as his um, for it to mark his Scotland debut. Have you ever worn that shirt, Hutchie, and listened to some Bob Marley? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you have? Outstanding. Yeah. What's the link? I mean, I know Bob Marley loved football. He was he was a good player as well, wasn't he? What's the link with him and, and it's I? Just a, I think it's just a cultural thing. I think it, they kind of adopted it quite mm. heavily. They play Three Little Birds. I know Ipswich did it for a brief period, but like yeah, Ajax really do it. Like It's really part of their culture. Um, if you've been to Amsterdam, you might, you might know why. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, it's very heavily ingrained in the culture of the in, in the culture of the club. Okay, fantastic. Right then, from Bob Marley to the FA Cup second round, Barrow at home. Boys, this is a game again. This is a big game for Ipswich Town. And it sounds crazy to be saying a game against Barrow, who are really struggling in League Two, and the FA Cup is a big game. But it is. So we know in the first round against Oldham, Cook went full strength, put out his, essentially his league side for that game. And it, okay, that didn't really work out. But if you're Paul Cook, what are you doing for this one, Stewie? He's got to go strong again, hasn't he? Um, I suppose Charlton, you've got this. Charlton yeah, away on the horizon on, on Tuesday night with 3,000-plus fans going there. That's that's a bigger game than, than Barrow. But it's chicken and egg, isn't it? You've got to get that win to kind of get the feel-good factor going, going into that one. Um, mix and match, I think it will probably be the core of his sort of first team with maybe some of the ones that put their hand up from, from Tuesday night, given an, another sort of audition chance to, to maybe prove a second time that they should be in that, that team for Charlton. What do you reckon, Andy? I'd be going as full as I possibly could. Um, but that would include some of the changes we've talked about would include um, Penny have another go at, at left back. Probably I'd, I'd be tempted I'd be tempted to play Idris with, with Morsi in the middle there for, for the energy. I know Idris, in theory, has kind of played the Morsi role in these teams in nominally, but I think they could operate together. I'd like to see that. Um, they would be the two. Um, if I'd like to think that, again, we, we don't get... There's not much clarity on this. I'd like to think that Wes Burns isn't too far away from from an involvement again in this and I'd, I'd like to get him back on the pitch but I'd be I'd be Does going Pickett get another go oh. <laughs> I, it, this is a really different this is this is one that if I was a football manager I would really struggle with um Joe Joe Piggott deserves to have played more football than he has again you've talked chicken and egg a minute ago Stu I think Joe Piggott's probably the ultimate chicken and egg how how can you expect Joe Piggott to hit the heights and hit top form if you're not giving him the games and the minutes? But if he doesn't do it for you in those games and in those minutes, how many more can you give him? You're at a stage where you want to get Macaulay Bond scoring goals again. Um, I'd be tempted does, to go Does Macaulay Bond. Bond start against Charlton? The answer, yes. I think, is still yes. So do you want to try and give Macaulay Bond yes. the chance to get a goal into himself on, on Saturday yes. to go into that game? Of yes. Conference? Yes. So 
think we've probably ans- answered the question yeah. there, haven't we? As much as I really feel for Joe Piggott at the moment, he, he cut a frustrated figure last night. I don't think I realised at the time that I think the goalkeeper got a good good hand on or got a slight touch on onto his penalty to turn it onto the post. And as Andy said, he finished really well. I thought he worked really hard. But, you know, McCaw- you want to get McCauley Bond back in form, don't you? Mm. All right then, boys. For the for my benefit, because I've got to do a likely lineup later on today before I have a day off tomorrow. <laughs> what um what side are we saying then? What give me a side, Stewie. Do you want me, do you want me to fill it in in the paper? <laughs> <laughs> go on, what Stewie. Um Walton in goal, obviously. Um uh, Genoy, uh, be Edmondson and, and Toto again, I imagine. Matt Penny, I think, will we'll get another go at, at left back. Morsi, what does he do with the other central midfielder? Fraser again in the deeper role, give Carroll some more minutes. El Mazzuni, as Andy's mentioned, so you've got some other options in there. Or do you try and get Lee Evans going again, who's, who's gone off the boil? That, that'll be an interesting selection. Um, Bon up front, we've just discussed. Mm. Help me out with the three behind behind the I think, strike. Uh, I think Chaplin should be one of them. Um, my gut feeling is that he probably would go with Aluko, Chaplin and Selina as the three, which is, uh, am I right in saying that was the same that started against Crew? Um, they're not the three that I'd pick if everybody was fit. If Maybe I'm being a bit optimistic and thinking we might see Wes Burns again. If Wes Burns is fit, I'd have him straight back in there. But I don't know, Aluko, Chaplin and... Luco Chaplin and Selena maybe a bit harsh on Fraser. I maybe you give Idris this game next to Morsley to see what you evaluate those two ahead of Charlton. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably, probably a Luco Chaplin Selena, probably. Has Jackson not done anywhere near enough to be even considered for a starting place? Again, it's a difficult one because it depends what you're using this team for. I'm not sure Paul Cook is that close to wanting to give Caden Jackson a, a start in the league. It would be harsh to not give him another game, potentially, but it depends what this game is for in Paul mm. Cook's mind. It's, you want to win, but you also you want the dual purpose of get you going, get the players going again. So you could... You, I don't see why Aluko couldn't play on the left. Um, and I'd be tempted by that, maybe, with Jackson on the right, Chaplin in the middle and Aluko coming in off the left side I don't know but I think this all just highlights that we nobody knows what the blend is in that in that attacking three if Wes Burns isn't there it becomes a little bit more difficult Hmm. and this is I mean all kind of joking aside and however pessimistic optimistic you want to be this is a game that Ipswich Town should win Barrow are whatever side they put out. I mean, Barrow are toiling towards the bottom of of League Two I I think they're on a a really bad run of, of results um, this is just a game that, as we said before, this is just a winnable game. Town should win it, get into the third round, and move on, shouldn't they, Stu? I know it's we're not too, that simple. We're too, but... <laughs> we're too long in the tooth as Ipswich Town followers to be saying that now. I'm reluctant. <clears throat> Maybe we need to lose a little bit of this this arrogance surrounding Ipswich Town. No, this is, this I'm, is, not, no. I'm not. I'm no, not no, being no, arrogant. No. Like, otherwise, you no, start lowering expectations. Of course they should. You? It's it's Barrow. It's Barrow at home. Yeah. In the yeah. We're talking about a first uh, choice But team I'm, what I'm saying out. is, but you've got to earn it. They they should be winning it. Of course they should. I'm not saying our standards should suddenly slip and saying, well, it shouldn't. Yes, they should win this game. They have to win this game, but they need to work for it. And we need to stop sort of going into it of, yeah, they'll win, they'll win that and just taking it for granted. I don't know if that, that attitude, that sort of subconscious mindset is sometimes is seeping in to the players a little bit when they get ahead in games and then they, they step off the gas. You know, you, Ipswich Town are in League One. They're in the third season of League One now. They, Ipswich Town have lost to Arsenal's under-21s. They've lost to West Ham's under-21s. And nothing can be, you know, they need to earn every time they step on the pitch. They need to have that steeliness, that durability, all those things that Paul Cook talked about last night. And they can't go into this all sort of wishy-washy, oh, it's Barrow, start thinking about who we could potentially get in the third round. No. Get get the job done, and uh, you know, make sure you are on it on Saturday. Don't start thinking ahead to Charlton and and Wigan just yet. Let's start doing some wins consistently, please. Yeah, that is a concern, isn't it? We've talked a lot about winning becoming a habit, but also 
losing becomes a habit and 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 losing games you'd be expected to win you go out of the trophy to arsenal's kids you lose in the fa cup every season because that's just what you do there's a definite danger to that and like hutchie says you can't go into this game with anything other than a you know ipswich town must win this game attitude no matter what ta- what what team they put on the pitch barrow have to be beaten yeah, they, road. yeah, they do, and that attitude is part of that, isn't it? That, yeah. that have, have, going into it and having the, you're right, Stu. There, there is, I think it's a different question, isn't it? Is what, what do you think will happen or what should happen? And the answer to what should happen is that this team should be good enough because the players are good enough, and the players should be motivated and driven enough because that's part of being a good football player, and that's why they should be winning these games against teams in the bottom third of League Two really comfortably but you're right that we've shut we've seen time and time again that some of that isn't in the makeup sometimes i want to see the body language to be correct i want to see uh, we be shit scared to lose this game on saturday and that attitude going into it needs to be we cannot lose this we will not lose this hmm. and i want i want to see that sort of fire in the belly across that team that We've got to beat these today, lads. And you know, even when even when they get in front, I want I don't want to see that drop off. I, you know, that's what we need to see with our own eyes. Because at the minute, it's not just the results; it's it's the performances that have gone with them. Over, you know, if we since that Wickham game at the start of November, we've had you know the Oldham game, nil nil against Colchester, nil nil against Oxford, made heavy work of the the replay win at Oldham, Sunderland. Okay, we're saying it was a good performance, but didn't didn't look like scoring in in the second half. Rotherham was what it was. Crew was pretty unconvincing. So it's your belief comes from performance levels and what you see. And Paul Cooks routinely said you can't kid supporters. There's a reason some of this feel good factor has faded recently. People know what they're seeing with their eyes. Um, it's up to the players to change to change that mood and it needs mm. to change quickly. Mm. Okay then boys, uh, anything else to add on your, your thoughts on that one before we uh, start to wrap up? Nope. No, no other business. No other business. Before we head off today, um, I want to shout out some of our, well, one of our particularly one of our, our top listeners. Uh, yesterday it was nice. We we're getting tagged in quite a lot of people's top podcast stats from the year, which I believe is something they do on, on Spotify. Um, and I want to shout out one one listener in particular. Do let us know, by the way, um, if if we are your top pods. It's always nice. Uh, and I'm, I'm particularly keen to see if anyone can beat Al Gibson, who spent, according to stats, 11,101 minutes listening to the Kings of Anglia podcast so far this year. Still, obviously, a month ago. Um, that's 185 hours, boys, or almost eight days entirely listening to us wax lyrical about Ipswich Town. Um, thank you, Al, first of all. That's very nice. Um, I'm, I'm hoping we've kept you entertained. Uh, eight days listening to KOA, Stewie. So do you remember when Football Manager, Andy will know this all too well, You'd when you saved, you got a little message saying, like, remember to eat and stuff like that. If you got re- <laughs> really deep into it, I, I'd like to think Al's getting some some messages along those lines. Well, if you can beat that, and, and that would be a, an incredible effort to beat Al's 11,101 minutes, do let us know. Uh, and if you are listening to the show, thank you very much. It's much appreciated. Um, it's nice to know that people enjoy it and we're not just sat in our bedrooms talking to ourselves, um, which I do enough of anyway. Um, boys, anything else to mention before we uh, we take our leave and, and get on with the, the day ahead, building up to Barrow in the FA Cup? <laughs> <laughs> no other business. No other business. Just don't do a replay, Ipswich. Please don't do no, a replay. We don't, want, we don't want a replay. Just smash. Just go out there. Smash them. These sides should be swept aside at Portman Road. It's Barrow at Portman Road. We're just talking about losing to Arsenal's kids. In 1978, Town beat Arsenal to win the FA Cup, the full Arsenal side. Now we're talking about them losing to... It's only, to only 10 years ago that we had the, the Priskin game and you know, beating, beating them yeah. in the the semi-final of the League Cup. So these are all little, just when you kind of think that there's not sort of another little sobering reminders of, of where, where Ipswich Town are, are at as, as a football club. But it was um, last night was certainly one of those. But um, we go again. 
I'm over, over it. the next one. I'm, over, I'm ready. I'm ready for town just to start winning now, boys. So um, I'm sure everyone else is that listens to this. So so fingers crossed they can do this weekend. Just a reminder before we go, support our sponsor Manscaped, manscaped.com. Use the code KOA for 20% off and free delivery, as if I've not mentioned that enough. Uh, and also follow us across our social medias, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I've not been drinking, honest. I know it's December. Um, and also leave us a five-star review on iTunes because we've not had one of those since September. Uh, we've had a lot of them, but not one since September, and that helps pushes up the visibility in the iTunes charts, um, which means more people can discover this and join the Kawe Army. Okay, friends, well, that's today's pod out of the way. I hope you've enjoyed it. It has been, I suppose, necessarily depressing and a little bit serious today. Fingers crossed when we convene again in this virtual chat room on Monday, it'll be much happier. Town will be in the third round of the FA Cup, and who knows who they could get then. And then we'll be building up as well, of course, to the big game at Charlton on Tuesday. Have a great weekend and we'll speak to you again next time. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. More great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.